listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, your base for the lowdown on acapella. At the top of the hour this hour, tips on starting a girl group. Over at the lesbian-focused site Autostraddle, Elena has written a helpful post with 10 steps to starting your own all-girl acapella group. From recruitment to leadership to defining look and theme to rep, the post runs the gamut of the process in a cogent, well-written piece. In addition to supporting the continued growth of new groups and diversity, by outlining the sequence leading up to a group's first performance, Elena has consolidated the information into a manageable list. Although written from the perspective of starting an all-female group, the advice in the article is appropriate for all. Check it out over at autostraddle.com. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Acaville Radio. I'm your host, John Lampus, on Acaville's weekly talk show. Today, I am joined by uh, the creator, the founder, the godfather of Acaville, Aaron Director. Hello, Aaron. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And I made you an offer you can't refuse. Yep. That- so there you go. It's filling my godfather role. <laughs> so uh, as I'm sure some of you know, but I don't think there's been a chance to really get to know Aaron super well through like just because he's always behind the scenes. He's always making things run. So I thought having the creator of Acaville, the person who lets me do what I do and lets all of us do what we do on the show was a great opportunity, one, for his insight, but also because, hey, you guys get to know him a little bit better. You hear him on the news. You hear him talking about the music. But now you get to hear what he thinks about stuff, and it's really exciting. Insight might be a stretch. What I think about stuff I can cover. <laughs> that might be closer to the truth, I think. So today we're going to talk about a topic that – a tacapella topic – I am interested in, obviously I'm interested in it or else I wouldn't be talking about it, but it's something I don't think I understand super well and I think is really, really easy to just kind of poo-poo on and say, oh, that's dumb, that there shouldn't be any of that. And that's electronic manipulation in acapella music. And, and we should probably start by just having everyone kind of put their phasers on stun. Yes. People have strong <laughs> opinions about yes. this. Then, you know, yeah. So I'll calm it down a little bit, people. Because my first reaction was I came at this from thinking kind of it's all just like autotune in a sense. And my thought was autotune is evil. Like that shouldn't be <laughs> that shouldn't be a thing. And it just makes it not real art or whatever. But I came at that. My exposure to autotune was before I ever did acapella. So mm. it's just kind of like, you know, musicians in um, bands or whatever, just using it just to be better. So that I was already predisposed to dislike it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really understand that also like mixing and like um just slight remaneuvering of the recordings is just a part of acapella culture mm-hmm. and but i also didn't understand that there's it's not just like you take a bad group and you throw in electronic stuff <laughs> and now they're a good group right. and you know i think of um image and heap and yes she's not acapella but you think of hide and seek and you think mm-hmm. of how you know i wouldn't say like oh she's a bad artist and she uses electronica to be good she uses electronica as an art form, it's 
it's a tool and I think it's really and it's not a, always a crutch. And Aaron, I'd love I'd love to just hear your initial thoughts on all of this because I am woefully I, I've been exposed to some of the worst where I'm like, okay, right. I just sound like I'm listening to robots right, right now. Right. Uh, and I've also been exposed to like maybe they could have like in this album they could have had a little bit more. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, Please educate me. <laughs> I mean, I think the the place to start is by defining the terms, right? I mean, anytime someone in an acapella group sings into a microphone, they are getting electronic assistance, right? So by definition, it's more, (laughs) you're getting something more than the human voice. So I think we have to figure out what we're talking about when we talk about electronic manipulation. Uh, You know, you mentioned autotune. Certainly autotune is, you know, Melodyne and some of the other kinds of, of manipulation tools that happen in the studio are part of that. But also things like, you know, live loopers. Uh, you know, yeah. live looping has become a, a, an increasingly popular and really nifty mm-hmm. part of acapella. Yeah. That wouldn't even be possible if we defined acapella away from electronic yeah. manipulation. If we went with what acapella literally means, it's like right. just voice. You know, uh, you know, bunch of a bunch of people in a corner singing doo-wop. And then just even uh, beatboxers using their mic and like putting their hand over the mic to create an echo Absolutely. Space. And also, I mean, you can do a lot of things with mic positioning around sort of having a wetter or drier sound if you're doing VP. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of, of use of, as you point out, of the electronics as a tool. Yeah. And, and so I think the criticism these days, or at least where I would, I guess, structure it, is more about using it for good and using it for evil. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, because like a tool a tool in general can be used really well and used really effectively and used, you, know, you used Image and Heap as an example, yeah. using it as a way to advance the art and advance the sound mm-hmm. or as a way to cover up badness or... Like fix it. Right. And, and or to, to use it sort of clumsily. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think we've got some examples that we can play over the mm-hmm. course of our time today um, that I would suggest do both of those yeah. uh, without sort of exerting too much of a value judgment one way or the other. Yeah. It's interesting to note that although this conversation seems sort of ubiquitous these days, it hasn't always been a top of discussion, probably mm-hmm. until the early part of the 2000s, I would mm-hmm. say. I mean, I think, you know, the I give a lot of credit to the Bubs, um, mm-hmm. the Beelzebubs from Tufts. I think one of their sort of seminal recordings in this regard was their Code Red album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they put out. It was uh, 2003, I think, when it came out, mm-hmm. and they really put a lot more effort into effects, I think, Mm -hmm. at that point, more than certainly their previous albums. And it caused such a ruckus. Uh, I mean, it was it was pretty outrageous uh, that everyone kind of ah! I didn't even know what acapella like stood for back then I think, right. I, I think I thought it was like a cereal or something man I would have loved to have so inter- I would have loved to have like been conscious of the art form back then to see all the reactions to that because that must have been fascinating to like you yeah. know be alive <laughs> yes I'm, we were both alive then <laughs> I was like wow how old am I I was alive 13 years ago yeah. Um, yeah. It's so fascinating. Well, because I think prior to that... I don't think there was a big thing to get really, like, mad about. And, uh, like, it's something that big, I would argue. Just my in- inferring. I think it comes from difference, right? Yeah. I mean, when, when there's change and evolution in any art form, mm-hmm. you know, if it's Bob Dylan going electric at the Newport Jazz Festival and uh, fans yeah. is going crazy. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Or, you know, or this. I mean, I think that certainly the scope and scale is a little different. But, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we started with Do up we and vocal jazz sort of acapella vocal jazz we went into kind of the bobby mcferrin 
you know, initial peak era, and then sort of he's done a lot since then with mm-hmm. um, a lot of his choir stuff and things like yeah. that. But uh, and then we had you know the kind of the Take Six era mm-hmm. and those pieces. Then Rockapella got very big, mm-hmm. um, and, and sort of with each of these peaks, though, you you don't necessarily associate their sound with electronic manipulation. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you think of where in the world is Carmen San Diego, uh, perhaps the canonical <laughs> rockapella song yeah. uh, that was big in the '90s, for example, mm-hmm. you're not you're not thinking of effects when you think of that. Yeah, you know, you think of a bunch Sticking of goofy of guys song. sounding great singing a good song. Yeah, um, and it really wasn't until I think the idea of covering a song with so much fidelity to the original that it sounds like the original. Yeah. When that becomes the goal or a goal, I think then the presence of electronic manipulation becomes more important mm-hmm. because you can't, yeah. it's much more difficult to do without that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you know. that makes a lot of sense. I've heard quote unquote acapella recordings where it just, it sounds like there it's sometimes I'm like, like when I've heard the really heavily electronic manipulated ones, I'm like, mm-hmm. this could almost be like borderline, like, I'm using this totally, but like techno almost, because it just it has right. that like quote unquote robot sound, and it's I think of um, like Daft Punk, not the Pentatonix recording of Daft Punk, but just the band mm-hmm. when they're doing like they're speaking and like it's like electronica. It's not that far, hopefully, right. Right. Um, but it's it's that same kind of aesthetic that pops up. I think. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think, and so that's why I kind of I think about Code Red particularly mm-hmm. as an album that. With the Bubs, and and it was an album that Deke himself worked a lot yeah. with the group on, and that hasn't been true of all the Bubs albums necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I think they knew going in, and they were sort of thinking about it going in, that this was going to be a chance to kind of play with that tool set a little. Yeah, bit. and that's and for me, like choosing beforehand is like it makes all the difference to me, and whether I'm like this is a quote unquote good thing or bad thing, because like you said, if it's just I. I know a group who remain unnamed, obviously, um, that if they went in and I had heard them before and I thought they were okay and they were going to record an album. And I was like, okay, yeah, you know, do your thing. Yeah. Um, and it came out just like so heavily uh, manipulated. It literally just sounded like they were instruments. Like mm-hmm. it didn't even sound, it did not sound like an acapella album. And for me, it felt like the reason they did that was because they didn't necessarily have a choice and they weren't good enough to to make an album or solid recordings without heavy manipulation. Mm-hmm. And then for me, I can't help but think is like, if someone who doesn't know the group, they listen to this album, then they see them perform, they're like, what? Is this the same group? Yeah. And, yeah. and then it's, and that's something that, that always gets me is like hearing really heavily modified tracks on albums and then that disconnect people have and I've, I've had this many times with groups, which is why I think I'm a little like, I get kind of on my high horse a little anti-electronica right. um, <laughs> sometimes is because I'm like, well, I feel like maybe they just did this because they had to. And now when I see them perform, maybe like the album took off or something mm-hmm. and it did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not necessarily the group. And then I'm just kind of, it, it gets into ideas of like group identity and their like right. place in the acapella world, do they deserve it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and I think the, the planning and the integral nature are the questions, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think of a group like Howl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ali and Honor out of New York City, two women that uh, are really impressive, very talented, mm-hmm. and they use a live looping device mm-hmm. as a part of their recording to get 
really deep and intricate harmonies out of yeah. the two of them. And I've seen them do it live. And they just bring their little device out on stage yeah. and they do it live. And it's killer. I mean, it's and amazingly that's, good. To me, the fact that they are doing it live, like looping is it's is like doing that you have to be like musically like you have to do it in time or else it's weird right. so for me that like one I, I accept that's part of their sound so i'm okay with it but two i'm like okay they they're not just up here like singing their two parts and then like um having like a record they're not singing with recordings of themselves mm-hmm. they are creating those recordings right then right. and there right which is like oh wow this is to me they're bringing in a whole nother level of musical skill that wouldn't be accessible. So I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah absolutely. Bring it on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another example, uh, if you ever see the Bobs in concert, for mm-hmm. example, you know, there are four of them and they are probably the least sort of electronically manipulated that you'll mm-hmm. see because they, they it's just not what their scene is. Mm-hmm. But they will often in their shows have a fifth mic that has sort of a guitar distortion effect on it. Okay. And they'll yeah. use it for a vocal guitar distortion effect. Yeah. And, and it'll be... You know, in one or maybe two songs briefly as they're, you know, sort of another color to add to the picture. And then the last, like, I think, maybe not the last, but one of the other big kind of um, areas that in the information in the YouTube age is people who just layer themselves and just, um, I can't remember, but, but, you know, I... I've just seen when I was a kid, it's like, oh my gosh, there's like these people and they're like, it's the same guy over and over. And that's its own kind of thing. And then that's kind of an interesting situation when it's not like, it's not looping and it's not like, not live looping and you can't really do that live. So I, that kind of brings up the whole performance aspect of it and whether it's really a, if you can really perform that, but I think it's a totally valid acapella electronica experiment that I've always really wanted to do because it's a you can't get a sound like unless you have like six illegal clones of yourself um, <laughs> then and you, you only have three of them today so yeah I really six is much harder yeah yeah so um you know I think in my ignorance where I'm like no you can't do any of that stuff it's dumb um <laughs> just like that uh I think I unintentionally kind of was um putting down people who do that and that's yes it's not really a quote-unquote performing thing because you can't go out and do that on a stage um uh this is difficult to do you know if you look at uh like mike tompkins who did a lot of the yeah a lot of the earlier um youtube stuff that got a lot of attention early Mm -hmm. on in terms of the solo multi-track stuff um you know he he did some tv appearances and things where he kind of simulated parts of that live okay yeah uh, but it's certainly much more difficult to do and it requires a lot of patience from the audience because they have yeah. to watch you do each of the track you know layers essentially yeah. separately but <clears throat> you know think about think about the beach boys think about singers mm-hmm. unlimited and gene perling back in the you know 60s and 70s that were really doing a lot of that multi-tracking stuff mm-hmm. No one accused them of not being artists. No one accused them of I not mean, being good at what they were doing. And yeah, when I listen to like a song on the radio, any pop or rock song, when they have like you know pretty much everything has just a third harmony above it, that's usually the lead vocalist just dubbing it as right, well. Right. And people don't accuse them of doing it in, in concert. Obviously, they'll have like a backup singer or whatever. Sure. But that's something I think a lot of people don't realize. Is like, oh, that's the singer singing two tracks right now. Well, and often when you do. You know, if you are in an acapella group and you're you're laying down tracks for an album, for example, oh yeah, you'll lay down the same track three or four times, mm-hmm. and 
three or four of those sometimes will make it into the recorded song yeah. to add more sort of fullness and depth to the nature yeah. of that sound. And they're like offset by like a millisecond. Yeah, I've, yeah. Been, I've been on recordings where they've done that. So Yeah, and it, it's, I mean, is that, does that lessen the quality of the acapella experience? Does that make it somehow less acapella? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think there has to be some sort of limit to the kind of the purity test that you put. For me, it's that. when like, Yes, they're doing like it, just in this specifically this one effect. If they're you know um, adding in their own voices over and over and layering themselves on top of um, mm-hmm. and setting offsetting it just by a little bit, and if that makes a great recording, awesome. But if I go and see them and they're not good enough live to not need that, if they can't overcome right. that, then right. it's like. Uh, but if it's its own different kind of performance, that's obviously because it's live because they can't layer themselves it like like that live. And if it's good enough that I don't miss that or feel mm-hmm. like I need that, then I'm like, okay, then that's fine. Well, me. and that's where that's where I draw the line more. I mm-hmm. think, it, and it's and I don't necessarily draw the line definitionally. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that groups on the other side of the line are not acapella groups, but the use of electronic manipulation that concerns me more mm-hmm. is where you're kind of trying to put lipstick on an oral pig uh you know where you're wow, trying that is to the- where you're trying to turn something that just doesn't really sound great and make it sound slightly less ungreat uh, this image it's in my head <laughs> excellent I hope the porcine dreams that you have coming up uh, will, will fulfill our conversation <laughs> I'm gonna go home <laughs> um, but I think you know if you take a group that's just not that great and you throw them into a studio with a lot of manipulation yeah you can make them sound sort of facially better but I think if you listen carefully even the best studio engineer can only do so much. I've heard things where I'm like, I've heard very electronically manipulated stuff where I like hear how they're like a tenor singing like a high note or something. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that should not be ringing as much as it is. Cause that's like horrible technique. And right. that's like, there's, that's not, that should not carry as much as it is, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And blend. And I mean, oh, there's some yeah. things you just can't, it's just difficult to do, Yeah, uh, you know, through manipulation. Now, Ultimately, I'm sure as the tools continue to evolve and get better and as as people come up with new crazy techniques, you know, there are tons of really talented – not tons. There are (laughs) four handfuls perhaps of very talented, uh, you know, acapella engineers and mixers and masterers out there. small hands. Yeah, exactly. um, That are coming up with new techniques all the time. And so, you know, that that ability to kind of spot through – listening carefully where mm-hmm. it's been done you know to make a bad group sound better yeah is more and more difficult i think and i think as like the acapella art continues to get bigger and bigger the and we hear these kind of when the library that people listen to gets bigger i think listeners are going to get like uh, even if they're not like hardcore listeners like you and me they're going to get smarter in a sense and yeah. maybe i think they'll start to see through stuff they'll mm-hmm. be like someone will point out well hey you know that because that sounds that way because they did this and they'll be like oh and yeah. i think illusions and the smoke and mirrors of it the cheaper stuff mm-hmm. i think it might fall back a little bit i think that's probably much. true I, the other piece that's sort of good news bad news about that i think is you know with all of these kinds of technologies and techniques they start out 
sort of very narrowly and closely held. Mm-hmm. There are only a few people who kind of know how to do it or they have the tools or whatever. Yeah. And then they start to become more ubiquitous as the technology becomes cheaper and easier and more accessible yeah. and all that. So New models come out exactly. and the old ones become more public. Exactly. And, and at the same time, that ubiquity can breed misuse, right? So then you have a bunch of people who suddenly have access to all of these tools and are not necessarily using them very judiciously. And so, you know, I think it'll be an interesting time. That certainly has been true of things like, you know, Octavizer and, you know, pitch correction and Mm -hmm. some of those things that we talked about already. I expect that will be true of some of the other emerging techniques and things that are happening as well. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick little break here, and then you'll hear Aaron's voice telling us about (laughs) Akaville. So that might be a little... A little surreal for me anyway. Uh, And then when we come back, we're going to take a listen to... Aaron, tell us what song we're going to be hearing. What I'd love to do is start by... You know, we talked about Code Red as being one of the Bubs albums that I think Mm -hmm. really advanced the idea of electronica as a a valid alteration to the art form. I want to hear Uh, Mr. Roboto from that album. Uh, It's an Ed Boyer arrangement of the tune. Um, You're going to hear Mike Flynn on the solo. But listen to the effects. Uh, One of the things I think is interesting about uh, Mr. Roboto is, uh, and Deke has talked about this, it sounds very electronic. There's certainly a lot of manipulation in there, but there's not as much as you might think. Uh, Especially on a song called Mr. Roboto. Yes, exactly. Um, It's it's really done very effectively. And so uh, after we head to the break, we'll we'll get that one on the way back. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Remember, this is Takapella, and we'll be right back here on Akaville Radio. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. Just keep me alive 
without emotions I'm not what you see I've come to help you With your problems So we can be free I'm not a hero I'm not a savior Forget what you know I'm just a man whose Circumstances went beyond my control Beyond my control pretty impressive as most of the bubs albums are um you know they put out a good recorded product yeah uh that one in particular i think that play the game and battle are probably my top three i love bubs battle albums. they're I all love, really love really and strong. i really like helix too yeah helix is good too i you know they they have a good canon if they yeah, have an impressive like really do which i think that, that's a whole other topic but i think the idea of acapella like groups have you being able to identify acapella groups by their albums like oh you love that one that's right. something so often reserved for like quote-unquote real bands right. it's really <laughs> nice you know but it's really nice when we can be like oh that's my album Ooh, i like that album. right you know? well i think and i know we're getting us off topic very deal with very it briefly. listeners <laughs> um, 
I think that there's a you know a lot of groups do yearbook albums or many do yearbook yeah. albums, and I think that can be done well. Uh, there aren't many who do, but I think that can be good news, bad news as well. Yeah, and it's a real strategy about when you put albums out and what you want them to be and what the vision is. And the yeah. Bubs have just done that really well. Really, really well. That's how I knew about them because there's so many albums. Yeah, um, and you know they're famous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that tune to me. I loved that. And I loved, um, and this is something you've brought up before, the fact that the solo, like in the in the middle parts, mm-hmm. um, is really not manipulated too much. And you can tell that guy's a really good vocalist. And yeah. he can sing pop with good technique and a really engaging way, a way that engages the audience and very stylistically, which when I was talking about that other group that was just all mm-hmm. rah, 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 you mm-hmm. couldn't get that sense. even though I know like the, the people were good singers and yeah. could do that I couldn't get that sense through it because it was all just so manipulated but this it was clearly very selective well and I think and, and first again shout out to Mike Flynn who did the solo oh, on okay yeah um, the I think one of the things that the Bubs and you just alluded to it I think that they did really well and, and you know and Ed Boyer and everyone who worked on mm-hmm. the track they you know, Mike's solo in the middle was more naturalistic. Mm-hmm. He was more, you know, doing his thing. He didn't have a lot of overt manipulation associated with yeah. it. But the backing underneath it, which had that sort of technotronic kind of you yeah. know, sound, was obviously done with much more, you know, effect. And I like that they just did that off the bat, just like you just hear it right at the beginning. Because mm-hmm. then for me, as a kind of, you know, electronic manipulator skeptic, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, this is just how this track's going to be. And that's, they get it out in the open. And right. they weren't electronic sounding voices. They were voices using electronic manipulation. Right. And I think there's a right. big difference there. And I could also tell they were like using different kinds of hums and to get the right. Yes. So it's still like, yeah. oh, there's just because they're using electronic manipulation doesn't mean they're not paying attention to like how good arrangements work or good um, mm-hmm. ambience. And I think, I mean, I think one of the points that you're driving at as well around that is they're doing it in service of the art yeah so they're not doing it for its own sake they're not you know there's a lot uh, the other i think place where an electronic manipulation can go wrong in acapella is where it sort of just gets thrown against the wall to see what sticks yeah and and that is problematic and i think you know that can end up with a result that actually sounds really good and that works really well um I think there can be some question as a result, though, about whether or not that effect is really what you're looking for. Yeah. Are you looking for, are you using the effect because that is what you want to create and you're like preconceived that? Or are you using like, right. let's see if this effect will make us sound better? Right, right. Or just sort of be generally cool. Even yeah. If it doesn't necessarily match what we're doing or what the yeah. song's about or what the story is. Yeah. And, you know. and that for me is what I like. That, that, I think, is kind of the heart of why I get nervous about electronic manipulation mm-hmm. is because I don't want people who maybe aren't into acapella think that, like, I mean, okay, I had I, one of my students, he thought, like, acapella wasn't real. He thought it was <laughs> pitch perfect. Like, he thought that wasn't a thing. And, and that's just, obviously, it's not exactly what I'm saying, but I'm like, I don't want people who don't understand acapella as well because we're it's still you know, quote unquote new music and it's still just not full on pop uh, mainstream culture. I don't want them to think acapella can't be done well without electronic manipulation. Well, and I think, you know, shows like the sing off and, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the other sort of experiences in pop culture help that a little bit because people can kind of see, and not to say that there aren't effects done between someone singing on live TV and it hitting your ears uh, through the TV. (laughs) Just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, But nonetheless, you know, people can get a better sense of, 
about, you know, hey, A, real people can do this. It doesn't have to be, you know, superstars or people that are manipulated and sound amazing through the recording. But B, that, you know, you don't have to have any instruments to do this. And I think one of the perils that we haven't talked about around electronic manipulation is losing potentially that accessibility. That and, And this is something that I get occasionally concerned about uh and and perhaps unnecessarily so but i think when everything that we hear uh and everything is a strong word but when a lot that we hear is in acapella is manipulated in some way electronically we don't want people who are casual listeners or people who are just kind of starting to discover this to think that they can't then do that themselves yeah you know yeah one of the beautiful things about this is that anybody can do it and you can do it from cradle to grave i mean you can do it as an infant and you can do it as a senior citizen and everywhere in between and we want everybody out there singing and singing yeah. groups and being together and you know the whole idea of harmony through harmony right yep. but if people feel like doing this means that you if you don't sound smooth and glossy and manipulate and everything uh, then you're crap Pardon, yep. pardon the the, yep. the language. <laughs> uh, you know, then they're not good, and so you shouldn't sing and you shouldn't try. Yeah. And you know, I think if which we, is like the opposite of what acapella should be. That's like exactly. which we uh, last week's episode we're talking about. You know how so many people come into acapella not having a lot of musical training, right? And that's what it should be. It's a Absolutely. gateway for people, and that's so. I totally agree, and I worry about. Okay, let's not scare off the casuals in a sense, because right. that's so much. That's such a part of our audience and what we draw from, both in terms of listeners and in terms of participants. Well, and there's absolutely right, and I think there's so much strong evidence that it's also good for the singer, right? I mean, it yeah. improves people's health, that improves people's well-being. I mean, there's just so many makes you cool, exactly. That doesn't always work for me, but I, in theory, <laughs> I think it makes you cool. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, the, if we look at Barbershop, for example, mm-hmm. I think there's an interesting sort of contrast, right? Mm-hmm. Barbershop uses very little manipulation. I, I mean, part of their... their Because it comes through the harmony. ...thing is exactly that they, you know, their human pitch correction, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when you listen to Barbershoppers doing tags, even, that have just met one another, or people who have sung together in a, as a quartet or a chorus mm-hmm. for years and years and years... Their harmonies lock, yeah. and and so they don't they don't need. I mean, it's not they don't need pitch correction. There are some that are better than others, but <laughs> for the for the vast majority of these barbershoppers, you know, part of their value and their virtue and their the kind of their like craft, razor sharp tuning. Oh my gosh, like, hmm. out of control, man! I mean, it's just it's amazingly good, and I, and they do that without the kind of the gloss that comes with some of the electronic manipulation. And so I think there's there are things to learn from that in in the other sides of contemporary acapella around potentially improving our collective tuning in such a way that we don't necessarily need as much of that. Yeah. Makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Just like a good, deep, like, introspection into uh, the acapella mindset. Why don't we uh, take a listen to our next track? Absolutely. Uh, So one of the other tracks I wanted to play as we have this conversation about the use of electronica in acapella is a tune that uh, was put out by the Cary Grove High School Jazz Choir. Uh, They're based in Cary, Illinois. And they put it out about six, seven years ago. Got picked up for a sing compilation. So it got a lot of, of really positive acclaim. I am perhaps a little less dubious, or a little more dubious, I guess, <laughs> of the way that they use technology. Uh, it's Woods, the Bon Iver tune. Uh, and so let's take a listen to that. It's the Cary Grove High School Jazz Choir. I'm up in the wood. I'm down on my mind. I'm building. 
I mean, pretty heavy manipulation there. Very heavy manipulation. I'm not going to lie. I kind of thought of T-Pain a little bit. Just in the... I mean, I'm ambivalent about that. As I said sort of before we went in, I feel like they... I have to assume that that was the intended effect, that that was what they were going for. I think it certainly by having such a clean tone, they highlight the dissonances of the song, and they create a very different feel for the song. Yeah. 
I just don't know that it needed it. Yeah, I think both in terms of like they sound like good singers. Like I, I doubt one they needed it in terms of like needed it to get like make it in tune and stuff. But I think the track, the song, the original doesn't really lend itself to it quite as much because yeah. I think I, what I envisioned when I heard this for the first time, not just like oh this could be done just like on a stage with not even on a stage like something which is very bare, no mics, just right very just because you know the layering and the solos and how it all just kind of builds together. It it just seems like something. It seems like the song that I would think would need that like the least because right. it it just doesn't seem one musically in character with the song and also just like the feel of the song. Well, and I mean it's about being in the woods, right? I mean the yeah. metaphorical woods, I suppose. But you know it feels like a naturalistic yeah. content to me. And so, like I said, I think what what I really feel they did really well there mm-hmm. was that they made an artistic decision and they. Mm-hmm pushed it. I mean, they yeah. took it all the way to its logical conclusion. Which is more than a lot of people will do. Absolutely. I mean, they committed to it and they committed to it hard. I just don't necessarily think that it's the the artistic decision I would have made. Yeah, me either. Um, and so I, I use it as an example of the presence of electronica in, in acapella because it's so blatant. I mean, it's yeah. so, I mean, it becomes an integral part of the product, mm-hmm. essentially, in that way. And I think if you compare and contrast it uh, you know, the Nor'easters, as part of their three album, did a cover of the same song. And mm-hmm. obviously there was a period there where a lot of groups did a cover of that song. It was mm-hmm. a very popular tune. Mm-hmm. And it's a much different, it's a more contrasting version of it. And I wouldn't necessarily say that one is intrinsically better or worse than the other. I know that there's one that sort of metaphorically resonates more with me. Same here. Just even yeah. thinking of the lyrics, it just didn't seem like... Like the soul of the piece lent itself to that quite as yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. that's Absolutely. sort of where I am on that as well. Yeah. I think one of the other dangers that is not a danger that the Cary Grove uh, Jazz Choir did, but that can be a concern more broadly, is that if you use the same tool set on all of your songs... It's going to sound pretty similar. The songs start to sound very similar. Yeah. And I think that that's a concern... Uh, that can happen at any level. And I mean, that's what happened on that group I was talking about that they just, all the songs, they chose very different songs. I was like, oh, this is a great varied set list, but they yeah. just kind of blended together in that yeah. sense. What it also makes me think of, because they're a high school group, I don't want like, it just kind of what you're talking about, I don't want high school kids to think that they need to do that to sound good. Right, right. And it's like, because they sound like a very talented vocal group and I they, I would hate to think, and obviously I don't know, um, that they did it because maybe they thought they couldn't do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a good sense of that either. I mean, it was seven years ago now. I mm-hmm. think, um, uh, you know, and a shout out to the Cary Grove High School in Cary, Illinois. They, their jazz program uh, is really quite strong mm-hmm. and remains quite strong. The jazz choir is still around. They have jazz um, band ensembles and things like that. And they do a lot of performing in the in the Cary, Illinois community. I think they have a strong program. I, I guess I would like to hope, and, and I will tell myself anyway until I hear <laughs> otherwise, you know, that it was a decision on their part that they wanted to pursue artistically. It wasn't necessarily born yeah. of their... Yeah, and I would have loved to see that sense. on like possibly just even a different song that suited yeah. it better. And I would have... Yeah. And it would been like oh okay they're doing this because it fits with the song and because right. that's right i can't think of one off the top of my head but i know there are songs out there in the world that absolutely to. absolutely and, and you know artistic preference is artistic preference and there yeah. are things i like more than others and i'm sure some of our listeners are probably thinking these guys are are, are deranged because yeah. that was great and you know was a, <laughs> they always think that about well me. <laughs> that's true that part actually is legitimately true but <laughs> Uh, yes. I, so, but I, I think it's a good example in the sense that it's it's about as manipulated as one can get. I think yeah. it can still be sort I of acapella. Absolutely agree. 
Let's take uh, another quick little break here, and then when we come back, Aaron, what are we going to listen to? Well, one of the other tunes that I think um, has really been a shining example of uh, acclaim in electronica and acapella really is uh, yes, is uh, shiny in the sense that it's earned itself some shiny awards, like <laughs> Grammy awards, for example. Uh, it's the Daft Punk medley that Pentatonix Ooh. put together. Yeah, uh, pretty impressive stuff, and uh, a really nice, I think, example of leveraging studio and electronic effects to to great success. I absolutely agree. We'll be right back here on Tacapella. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where vocal music is our forte. Use it, break it, fix it, trash it, change it, mail, upgrade it, charge it, point it, zoom it, press it, snap it, work it, quick, erase it, write it, cut it, paste it, save it, load it, check it, quick, rewrite it, plug it, play it, burn it, rip it, drag and drop it, zip, unzip it, lock it, zip it, call it, find it, view it, put it, jam it, lock it, surf it, scroll it, pause it, click it, cross it, pack it, switch it, pay it, name it, bring it, tune it, print it, scan it, send it, fix, rename it, touch it, play it, play it, touch it, break the logic, one more time. Like the legend of the phoenix, yeah All ends with beginnings, oh It keeps the planet spinning, uh, The force from the beginning, no Oh, 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 oh,
me feeling so free Celebrate and dance so free One more time, music's got me feeling so free We're gonna celebrate, celebrate and dance so free Tonight, hey, just feel it Music's got me feeling me One more time, music's got me feeling so free We're gonna celebrate, celebrate and dance to the sun Welcome back here to Talk Capella. We just listened to Pentatonix sing Daft Punk, their Daft Punk medley. I love it. I love listening to it. I love Daft Punk normally. I love Pentatonix. So when I heard this, I they have really good makeup in the music video too. Really cool <laughs> contacts that kind of scare me, but it's, right. it's really entertaining. This is a piece that I think it's clear that like we're going to use electronic manipulation from the beginning. Right. And I, I've seen people try to cover Daft Punk straight acapella. And I don't think it's a group that without electronic manipulation, just straight. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I just don't necessarily think it's worth doing unless maybe it's from the recent album where there wasn't as much electronic manipulation. It was more actual songs. But I just don't think you can do it, do it that well. And they said, okay. We understand what the criteria is for the, doing this kind of song. Right. We want to do it, and I thought they did. I thought they did really well. And what's also really nice about it is that it's a this piece, this medley is. I've seen the sheet music for it. Someone dictated it. Whoever mm-hmm. you are, like man, <laughs> nice good, transposition. Good, good there. for you. Sorry about like not having any friends or. <laughs> um, it's also like the, this arrangement, you can do it with like an actual choir mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just solo Daft Punk songs, not as much, but this arrangement, it is so kinetic and energetic and yeah. so many things going on. It's doable. So that is, I mean, I think this is the best of like, best of both worlds. Well, and interestingly, we talked to Bill Hare about sort of some of the interesting work that he had done over his legendary career not that long ago. And he talked mm-hmm. about PTX Volume 2 and this tune particularly. There were... A, a lot of sort of back and forth and sort of musical ideas that were sort of tossed around and then tossed out before this oh. one came around. Uh, and so it was a really iterative process amongst the what musicians. Was, what was tossed and, out? Uh, I mean, just different different approaches to the both the mixing and the mastering and kind of how it was going to come together. Yeah. And so I think it goes back to sort of our, one of our theses of this, uh, you know, episode that if you think about it and you're planned about it and you're really kind of using the tools to support you're doing the it on art, purpose right then you get a successful result and yeah. that certainly was the case for them i i mean this blew up i think it's one of, i mean it's one of the most viewed videos on youtube like of all time i'm sure that's true. easily and yeah. what what grammy did they win for this was this the arranging award the first arranging award i want to say uh they won best uh it was it, the first uh, it, the first award issued in the new category that was expanded to include acapella. So it was yeah. acapella, and there were a couple of other uh, genres kind of grouped together in the song, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it won for that. And they got Along sugar. with Ben Bram, of course, as well. Yeah. Shout out to Ben, in addition yep. to Pentatonix. And then they got, what, Sugar Plum Fairy? They won it with Sugar Plum Fairy the next year? The, right. Yeah. Right. For, the I mean, for me, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And just like, 
I mean, I don't want to talk too much about Grammys here, but so much is talked about, you know, Pentatonix, they like want to be identified, quote unquote, as a real band. And that's that's its own whole discussion. But for this piece to be like the first one out of the gate to win that expanded award, I think that is huge for the art of I mean, that's one huge for Pentatonix, but huge for the art of acapella as a whole. So, God, I just love this one so much. I love that it shows off. It's not just like hom, not hom. It could be homophonic and fine. It could be um, polyphonic and sure. fine. But um, but it shows off. It's a good arrangement in that it shows off all the voices and it's on, like I said on its own. It's a good arrangement, but it's not just of how it's arranged because it shows off what the group does really well in regards to their tuning, in regards to the character of a lot of their voices, and yeah. each of the solos are like chosen for them specifically. It's just mm-hmm. how it's it highlights the sweet spot. I think for each of them, really effective. Yeah, I mean. Like Avi hits a low B at that, and like he's the only like I mean, one I come can. On. Uh, he's the only one I th- can think of. We like, yeah, he can like actually sing that on a solo, right, right. And that and this goes really well with that. I mean, basses kind of sound like robots when we get down really low, anyway. <laughs> and this, I mean, I was like, did he even use electronic manipulation there? Right. Well, I mean, with someone who's you know as superhuman as he is, it's hard to know because yeah, you know, he'll do some crazy stuff in concert, and and you know, and that's, and that's why I think this is so good because we can't tell and that's why this is such a good marrying of those different styles and then to say nothing of like the beatboxing on this which i i mean i don't i don't know if i want to try and analyze it because i don't (laughs) think i could say anything smart about it it's just so insane and awesome and ridiculously entertaining well i think one of the things that that pentatonix has done really effectively from the very beginning on the sing-off to now is integrated kevin and the beatbox as a, a sort of a full member of the group. I mean, it's not sort of quote unquote just the rhythm section, but rather mm-hmm. it, they, you know, the the rhythm section in this group and in lots of successful groups of similar ilk is as important as front and center as the the more melodic stuff as well. Absolutely agree. I absolutely agree, and that's also something we talked about in the very first episode, which <laughs> tile the way back in way back then, and that's I mean that gets into just like acapella in general now. I mean, my philosophy is that just like. You should have more than one beatboxer in the group because I and just like really pump that up. So when it gets um, into stuff like electronic manipulation, it's just so much more tangible and exciting. And I just love it so much more. Yeah. I mean, I think it's again, it goes back to what artistic decisions you want to make as a group. Right. I mean, there are some amazing acapella groups that don't do any beatboxing at all or very little. Yeah. With and poofs. Yeah. Well, Straighter Road, which won the Harmony Sweeps National Award last year. Uh, You know, at at the same time, there are groups like Stiletta and Mm -hmm. uh, which won the sweeps this year uh, that has a a, international beatboxing champion as one of their members. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I I think if you decide you want to be beat focused, Mm -hmm. um, you just need to commit i mean yeah. I, I, I and i think that's a, like a huge thing of what we've been talking about this whole time about predetermining purposeful mm-hmm. committed because if you're going to do something halfway in regards to whether it's beatboxing or electronic manipulation it's going to come through and it's not going to be yeah. like a complete package and it's going to sound like you may, didn't make a decision either way so you just got right. this kind of crappy middle ground yeah and with this i mean even though it sounds like you know they went through a lot of different options when they had their vision that's what came exactly. out. And Don't be a waffler. Yeah. That's the that's the uh, motto here. A waffler? Don't that... be a waffler. Don't waffle. Make a choice. What's waffle? Waffling between options. So you're not, you know... I didn't know waffle through... was a verb. Sure. Absolutely. I'm going to use this. So the last 10 minutes is we're going to devote to dissecting... <laughs> no. <laughs> it's lexicography with John and Aaron. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch that show. Um, so I'm, what I'm really excited for is like, I want them to do something like this again. I think they 
But yeah. hope, hopefully they will. I just something that or maybe even not Pentox. I want. I'm excited to see what the future is in regards to what's gonna, you know, push the envelope in terms of electronic manipulation. That's still in art form. That's not just mm-hmm. like I don't want us to eventually just get like the dial up. It's so electronically. It's just the dial up sound, right. like internet. <laughs> but that is so real and tangible and visceral. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I think you know. I'm really excited to see where it goes as well. I think. Um, there are a lot of different kinds of radiating sort of lines of this from the hub. You know, there are yeah. sort, of, sort of the the live looper kind of radiation line where there are really interesting groups that are doing cool stuff and using yeah. more and more techniques in that regard. There's the the solo multi-tracker that we were talking about and mm-hmm. some of the ways that that's kind of progressing. And then there's the use of the the studio effects that we were talking about much of our time today. Yeah. And then there are the effects that you can do on stage around, you know, distortion and use, use of pedals and things like that. Yeah. And there are entire groups, for example, that have made their name in effectively using those kinds of tools and pushing the boundaries of those tools, both in recording and live, and being yeah. able to do it in both places. Uh, you know, I think of, of Poster, for example, mm-hmm. formerly Poster Project, but now Poster, that put out a new album, Paper Tiger, not that long ago. Um, and, you know, their whole sort of raison d'etre, or their whole purpose is really about using this electronic tool set in really cool ways. Um, and so I'm hoping as we wrap up our time today, yeah. we can take a listen to one of the tunes from their recent album because I think it it demonstrates maybe a glimpse of where this all might be going. Absolutely. And I believe we're just about out of time right now. So we're going to listen to that. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's great to finally have you on, especially considering your one door down for me. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for hosting the show. Thanks for putting it on our air. I know Absolutely. our listeners like it. Absolutely. All right, guys. Remember, this has been Tacapella here on Acaville Radio. Aaron, if they want to get in contact with us, how can they do that? Well, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and the Insta on Instagram, all at Acaville Radio. And you can find me at John Lampus. And this has been another fun episode of Tacapella. Aaron, play us out with what's the tune called? It's Up for Air from Paper Tiger. It's Poster. I know no one can tell
I'm coming up for it.